Uh, we're doing these kind of standalone sermons as we go through Mission Fest month. And today's our last one before we start the new series next week. And I've picked Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 11 uh, to share with us today. So open that up. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen for you. Uh, Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 11, and I'm reading from the ESV. Luke 5 from verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Father God, uh, Craig just read a a great excerpt excerpt from a book uh, that seems to teach and show what we can be like in terms of being fishers of men, but it not being biblical, it not being real, and really not really doing anything. And we pray as you address us about this very topic, about being fishers of men, right here where we are, or in Tanzania, or wherever it is that you have called us to, would you show us now from this passage in the Bible how to be biblical fishers of men? Please teach us that we might not have wrong thinking and ultimately, like Craig was saying, waste our lives when we stand one day around the throne of you. And so teach us now, we pray, and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, on 20th of April earlier this year, I could say, from now on, I have a daughter. And from now on, we are no longer a family of four, but of five. This was at little Zoe's birth. Uh, Last weekend, I could say with complete confidence that from now on, the Eagles will no longer be part of the AFL season. Only the teams that know how to play footy are still in the finals. And you probably would have heard something like this in the last 12 or 18 months. From now on, this virus will be part of our world. Obviously talking about COVID-19 that's taken the world by storm. Now, in each three of these examples, something significant has happened that's changed my life and the lives of other people so that we can say, from now on. You see, there was life as we knew it, and then something happened, and then it was something different on the other side. And Jesus uses these same words right at the end of our passage. Have a look at the end of verse 10. Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when I read this in my quiet time, before I chose this for Mission Fest, I asked myself, what has happened? 
that Jesus says to Peter, from now on you will no longer be a fisherman, but a fisher of men. And you could simply say, hey, well, Peter had an encounter with Jesus. But many people had encounters with Jesus like this, but it didn't seem to change them. And certainly Jesus didn't commission them to go and catch men from then on. So, so what is it that, Je- that Jesus is looking for in people that makes them suited for the role of mission or, or to be fishers of men? Ima- imagine Jesus is a scout, right? And he's scouting for people that could be evangelists, scouting for people that can share the good news of Christianity with people who are not yet Christian. What would he be looking for in people that will make them perfect to join his mission? And Jesus shared his mission in the section just before ours. He says this, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. This morning, I want to show you uh, what Jesus is looking for in people who can join him on this great purpose, this mission. And you know what? I was quite surprised uh, how simple it is to qualify as a fisher of men. And it was greatly encouraging to me, and I hope the same is true for you this morning. So, in terms of becoming a fisher of men, uh, I think there are four things. The first thing is we need to listen to God's Word. In verse 1, we find people, right, a crowd of people, and they're pressing in on Jesus because he's handing out free food. No, 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 sorry. Uh, It's because he's healing people. No. Uh, Or maybe it is because he's giving them great political and health advice on COVID-19. No. People are pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God. And guess who hears it too? Peter. Simon Peter. Jesus asked him if he could use his boat as a preaching platform so that he can teach people. And so Peter's sitting right there, you know. As Jesus is speaking to people, sharing God's word with them. And it wasn't only on this occasion. If you go back a little bit to Luke 4, verse 31 to 37, Jesus was teaching in a synagogue there as well, and Peter was there. Uh, The point is that Simon Peter listened to God's word from Jesus himself. And I believe this is the very first thing that Jesus is looking for in people who will join him on mission. Listening to God's Word qualifies us to speak God's Word to people who longs to hear from God Himself. Mission and evangelism, as we saw in what Jesus says, is about verbally announcing the good news of God's kingdom to people. But before you think about speaking that word, the gospel, to people, you need to be listening. So, how are you going at listening to God through His written Word? Is it something that you only do here on Sundays, maybe? Or do you actually make time, uh, you know, just like you would to meet up with a friend, uh, to, to, to get away from all of the noise and listen uh, to God in, in, as you open up the Bible? I just find it's quite interesting that the very first qualification to join Jesus on mission is not doing a course on evangelism, not, even that, not that that's a bad thing, but simply listening to God's Word. That's the beginning. That's the first step. And I wonder if we found ourselves not speaking about Jesus much to other people, is it maybe because we've stopped listening? 
the, the two things are obviously connected. So it shouldn't surprise us if we've stopped telling other people the good news about Jesus when we're not really listening to it much. Or at least it's maybe here for 30 minutes on a Sunday. The reality is who we listen to will shape what we speak, right? So you listen to hours and hours of uh, parenting podcasts, then that is what you'll be talking about all the time. Everything you listen to in a conversation, you'll somehow connect to parenting. Or, or you listen to hours and hours of Netflix or Stan or other fiction that really has no impact on reality, and that is what you'll be talking to. Or you listen to ABC Radio like I've been doing uh, recently, and, and you'll probably be, just be talking about vaccines and COVID-19 all the time. It dominates the airwaves of the ABC, and maybe rightly so. But Jesus picked Simon Peter as a fisher of men because he listened to God's word. And we can do the same and join the team. And that's the first thing I think that uh, Jesus is looking for in terms of people becoming fishers of men. The second is this. We need to trust and obey Jesus' word. Uh, what Peter does and what Jesus seeks in those he's taking on mission with him is not simply uh, listening to God's word and hearing, but trusting and obey, obeying. That's what Peter does, and he does it uh, twice. He does it first, you know, by simply obeying Jesus when he gets in the boat and he asks him to move offshore a bit so he can speak from his boat, and Peter obeys. The second one is more significant, though, and it's when Jesus says to Simon in verse 4, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. This baffles me. I don't know if it baffles you. I mean, who does Jesus think he is? He's just stepped into this guy's boat called Simon and said to him, Hey, can you just pull out a little bit? I'm just about to address this crowd over here, if you don't mind. And, and, the, and you know, Peter's very nice. He does it. And now Jesus is finally finished with this public speaking that he's doing. And he says, hey, let's go a bit deeper and do some fishing. <laughs> I mean, who does he think he is? Jesus, it's not your boat. Jesus, you're a teacher, not a fisherman. Jesus, Peter has been up all night. He is shattered. You know, I, I reckon if Peter said to Jesus, hey, look, mate, <laughs> I think I've done enough for you today. Let's just go home. I'm tired. We'd understand, right? But he doesn't. Look what he says in verse 5. He says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. You see, there's something about Jesus' word that Simon has heard that is different to any other human being's words. His word has authority. He, he, he teaches with authority as Simon witnessed in the synagogue. Not only that, his word has the authority to cast out demons, as Simon witnessed that same day in the synagogue. And his word has authority over sickness and people, as Simon saw Jesus heal his own mother-in-law in his own house and many others on his very own doorstep. So even though Simon Peter's words to Jesus and probably what's going on in his head uh, is something like, hey, we've tried all night and, and, and nothing came of it. Uh, nighttime's the best time to fish, Jesus. Don't you know this? Not the day. Jesus, this is illogical. And even though that's probably Simon's words, some of it certainly is, and maybe some of his thoughts, he trusts and obeys Jesus' words. And, and there's a great picture here, I think, that we shouldn't miss, that portrays for us 
what it means to trust and obey Jesus' words. Did you see it? You see, trusting and obeying Jesus' words is letting him be the captain of your ship. We, we have this great picture of Simon, right? He's this professional fisherman. You know, he's got his own business. It's, it's so big, he even has partners, right? And he's sitting there on his own boat that he bought with his own money. Um, and he can properly operate it with his eyes shut. I guess you have to be, do something like that if you go out at nighttime. And he probably knows where all the best fishing spots are. He's a true local. And yet, Peter says to Jesus, Master, tell us where to go and what to do. Jesus, hey, you call the shots on my boat. I trust you and I will obey. And did you see what Jesus did? He caught a huge amount of fish. They had to get another boat. And as they filled both, they were both sinking from all the weight. And so Simon's trust in Jesus is affirmed. This must have been a very hard thing for him to realize, to realize that Jesus is a better fisherman than him. (laughs) Jesus, you're a better fisherman than me. Jesus, you're a better captain of my own ship than what I am. You see, Jesus knows how to run our lives better than we know ourselves how to run them. And so a question we all have to ask then is, Who's the captain of my ship? Who's the captain of your ship? You know, is it Jesus? Is he calling the shots? Or maybe you've got Jesus on the ship, right? Uh, But you're still the captain. And maybe when you're tired, you know, gee, life's just so busy and it's so hard. Well, well, Jesus, hey, come and take the the wheel for a little bit. Or when things are a bit stormy and rough, then this is beyond me. Jesus, you're up. Is that how you treat Jesus? Jesus is looking for people to join him on mission and they need to fully trust and obey him. And part of the reason I think is this. It's because as we share the good news of Jesus with others, we call on them to trust Jesus' finished work on the cross in their place and we also call on them to obey Jesus' direction for their lives. And so if we don't do that, who are we to tell other people to do it. How can we expect others to do it if we don't do it? You see, we need to be living examples of what Jesus is expecting of us. And, and that will encourage others to do the same. And if we aren't, we will do a lot of damage in Jesus' name, as it sounds like what's happening in Tanzania. And people will be rightly labeled, people in churches, hypocrites. And it's so bad for the gospel. So that's the second thing, trust and obey Jesus' word. The third one is this. As you're thinking about becoming a fisherman, what's Jesus looking for? Well, he's looking for people to see him as the holy God. We see that in verse 8. You see, what Jesus is looking for in people to join him is a true understanding of who he is. You know, the crowds, the crowds, think about the crowds, they came to Jesus as someone who speaks God's word. They They wanted to hear about God's word. Whereas Simon Peter, think of him, he fell at Jesus' feet as God himself, not just a messenger or simply a teacher. Did you see that in verse 8? Look at it with me. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now what a strange response to someone giving you a huge catch of fish. 
I'd say it's a bit rude, actually. Maybe start with thank you. <laughs> but, you know, but instead, he's like, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. But it teaches us something. It's meant to make us have this knee-jerk reaction. Because what Simon Peter sees here in Jesus is that he is the creator God of the Bible. The God we meet in Genesis that creates everything from nothing. Like God controlled nature with his word at creation, well, this is what Jesus is doing now, and Simon is seeing it. And that all of a sudden makes sense, why his word has authority when he teaches, why his word has authority over the spiritual realm and he can cast out demons, why, he, why his authority over people and sickness, because, oh, remember, yes, God created people and he gave them health at the beginning. So that's what Jesus is doing. And I wonder, do you see Jesus as Simon Peter does? Do you see Jesus as the God of the Old Testament in the flesh? Do you see him as the holy God, the one who's pure in all of his ways? The God whose righteousness destroys unrighteousness when it comes in contact with it. He is the all-consuming fire of all evil and lies and deception, corruption and hate, anything that goes against his will and goodness and truth. And I think the reason why Jesus looks for people who see him as the holy God is simply because that's who he truly is. (laughs) That's who he is, and he has been that from eternity past. And so if we see him as anything less, uh, then we don't really see him at all. We, We are deceived in believing lies about him. A Jesus, listen to this, a Jesus that is anything less than the holy God of the Bible is a false Jesus and does not deserve any devotion whatsoever. But Jesus as the holy God needs to be seen by people. They need to hear of him. They need to worship and enjoy him. How does this shape us sharing the good news? Well, sharing the good news of Jesus with others, I think, will have a much different weight if he's the holy God compared to if he's just another special guy telling us stuff about God, right? So if you share Jesus with people um, and, and he's simply a person who's pretty special and he, and he tells us stuff about God, well, well, if you don't share him with other people, then hey, it's not that big of a deal. But if you share Jesus with people as the creator God who has a rightful claim on their lives, well, that's much more weighty, isn't it? If you add to that that he is the God... Uh, that every single person will face and he will judge them rightly, well, now all of a sudden the urgency is up much higher and not sharing Jesus with others can have eternal consequences. We have to see Jesus as utterly unique to every other religious leader because he is the holy God. He is completely clean in all respects, Jesus is looking for people who see him like this, as he truly is. And from it, if you get this right, I think, from it will naturally flow the fourth characteristic that Jesus is looking for in people to join him on mission, which is this. You need to see yourself as unholy and a sinner. You see, as soon as Simon Peter sees Jesus for who he really is, what does he say? He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord, in verse 8. And as Simon sees Jesus' holiness, his own unholiness, 
and his shortcomings and his failings are just so obvious to him. So we rightly ask Jesus to leave him. You see, the sinless God cannot come near sinful man. We see that in passages like Isaiah, where he too says, Woe is me, when he realizes how holy God is. But Jesus' response is remarkable. Did you see it? At the end of verse 10, Jesus says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid? Really? Yes, really. How is it that Jesus, the judge of sinners, says to Simon Peter, a sinner, don't be afraid? The reality is Jesus knows something that we also know, living on this side of the cross, but something that Simon didn't know at that stage. And that something is Jesus' substitutionary death on the cross in the place of sinners. Jesus knows that soon he will give himself up as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid, because he knows he's going to take Simon's place on the cross soon and and take his place of punishment. Jesus, I think, had already seen Simon Peter's humility to listen to him and to uh, obey him and trust him. And, And he's just seen Simon acknowledge his divine holiness. And Jesus knows that if Simon continues to have these characteristics, um, he will listen and trust Jesus' death on the cross in his place. And so he will have absolutely nothing to be afraid of. And I wonder, I wonder if you see yourself as unholy and sinful. This crucial attitude that Jesus seeks in people is the very attitude that Satan is going to convince you of otherwise. And so we have to watch out. Do you see yourself as unholy and sinful? Well, Satan loves to get people to believe that, they, that, they, that they're not unholy and not sinful, that they're actually doing fine. And hey, I'm not just talking about people outside of the church. I'm talking of people inside of the church too. You see, if he can get you to believe that you're fine, hey, you don't, you're not in need of any forgiveness or grace through Jesus, well, then he's won a great victory. He can get you to be sitting in church every week and think that you're fine. You don't need Jesus. You've, and you can, he can have you to, in the end, have absolutely no relationship with Jesus at all. Hey, yes, on the face of things, everything will look fine, right? But one day Jesus will say to you, I never knew you. And that is a very scary thought. So have you been deceived to believe this about yourself, that actually, I'm great, I'm fine, thanks. When's the last time, here's a good question to think about, when's the last time you actually confessed specific sins and failings and shortcomings to Jesus and asked him for grace and forgiveness? I find myself often for seasons where I go, man, I can't remember the last time I did that. Am I starting to think I'm perfect? And so the answer to that question will help you know if you've been listening to Satan's lies about your own holiness. Another reason why Satan would want you to think that you're a model of righteousness, you know, unlike everyone else, you are a model of righteousness is because then you, then you will start looking down on other people. You know, and Jesus knows this is detrimental to being a fisher of men. You see, you need to be a sinner that's been saved 
before you will have a heart to see sinners saved. Did you get that? You need to be a sinner that's been saved before you will have a heart to see sinners saved. And to put it another way, self-righteousness completely destroys evangelism and mission for the lost. When people start thinking, hey, really, I deserved Jesus' death in my place. Well, then we're in, in trouble. When people think that others aren't as good as them and say, well, really, they don't need to, they don't deserve hearing about Jesus. A bit like what Jonah was. Well, we're not going to be fit to be on mission for Jesus anymore. And so let's pray for an ongoing awareness of our own sinful sinfulness, even as Christians, and especially in light of the cross that's been dealt with. We can go there and find forgiveness every single day. And so we know it's been dealt with, so we draw close to Jesus, and we reach out to others with the gospel. So as we look at these four things, Jesus is looking for in people to join him on mission as fishers of men. How do you score? How do you score? My, my gut feel is if you're a Christian here today, you should be scoring full marks, right? Like these four things are marks of every single Christian. It's actually so simple. And that's what struck me that morning. I was sitting in my living room reading this. And so the question then really at the end is this. Have you accepted the call? Maybe in some way you qualify, but you just haven't accepted the call yet. Maybe you've fallen into the trap of thinking they're Christians, and then they're Christians who are fishers of men. But it's not true. You don't have Christians, and then you have missionaries. We, we are all Christians, and we are all fishers of men. Without disqualifying what Craig was saying in the sense of what they're going through in going to Tanzania is very different to us staying in our homes, nice and cozy, in Thorny, trying to reach this region. It is very different. But we are all Christians and we're all fishers of men. Some do it in Tanzania or Mozambique. Some of us do it here in Gosnells and Thornley and the surrounding area. You see, God is busy pulling out sinners like you pull fish out of water from the physical and temporary kingdom of earth, and he's pulling them up into the spiritual and eternal kingdom of heaven. He's ripping people out of the kingdom of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of his beloved son. And once you've been saved, you start trying your best to save others. We've used that picture before at Advanced Sunday, right? Imagine you're like in the water and there's a life raft coming by and they pull you out of the water. What are you going to do? You're not just going to sit, oh, praise God, I'm safe. Oh, man, hey, you should get on to those other people over there. They need your help. Hey, let's get a bit of a move on. No, you're going to start leaning over the sides and grabbing people in. And so how do you do this? Well, you leave everything and you follow Jesus. Look at verse 11. That's what Simon Peter did. Verse 11, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Now, does this mean you have to give up your business or your job to follow Jesus like Peter did? Of course not. Um, you know, let's not be silly. There, there are other places in the Bible that make that very clear. Uh, but here is what it means, okay? And it's important that you get this. It means that you don't try and use Jesus for your purposes, but you give yourself to him as a servant of his purposes. Do you get it? 
It means you don't try and use Jesus for your purposes, but you give yourself to him as a servant for his purposes. Now, there are many churches that sell Jesus as someone who can help you fulfill your purposes. But the Jesus of the Bible is much greater than that and actually won't let himself be sold short like that. He expects full devotion, and we see this in Simon Peter. You know what Simon could have done after seeing Jesus help them catch this massive uh, load of fish? Is, is I reckon, and I was thinking about this, if that was me, I wonder if I would have gone to him and said, hey, I've got a job for you, Jesus. Man, I'm in the fishing business. I'm doing pretty well. Look, I've got two boats. I've got some partners. I can kick them out if you want, and we can do 50-50. You know, he could have made him even a partner. Man, the business would go off, wouldn't it? I mean, they would never have a night like they just had, where you go through the whole night and not catch anything. They'd probably sleep eight hours every night, just in the next morning. Hey, Jesus, what today? Oh, that was a good sleep. And wherever Jesus would tell them to go, they'd just be catching fish and the business would explode. That would be Peter using Jesus for his own purposes. But Peter instead leaves everything behind. And he gives himself to Jesus for his purposes. Remarkable. And that is true Christianity. Have you done that? You know, you could still be an accountant, but your main drive is telling people about the greatest transaction that the world has ever seen when God paid your debt through Jesus and he gave you his righteousness instead. You can still be a nurse, maybe, But mainly you're seeing yourself as working with the ultimate physician who's come not for the righteous but to heal sick sinners. You can still be a tradie building stuff, but you're mainly in the business of building the church and building God's heavenly kingdom. And I can go on and on and on. Leave everything and follow Jesus. Let him change you from a sinner to a servant from a fisherman to a fisher of men. You see, we can all say, from now on, we will be fishers of men. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have great plans for this planet. You have come to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to all people. And not only have you done that, you have done everything for us to enter the kingdom through your finished work on the cross. And if that wasn't even enough, you are drawing us into this great purpose, this mission uh, to bring people from darkness to light, to rescue people from the clutches of death and bring them into eternal life. Even us sinners, but Lord, We're no ordinary sinners. We are sinners that have been saved, sinners that have been made servants. And we pray that you would um, drive that into our hearts again, that we might not be lazy, that we might not um, take lightly our places and our positions, our influences of of authority, and uh, actually to use those things to to bring the good news of of you to, to the people around us. I love that line that Craig was saying is if we think everything is mission, well, then there is no mission. Um, And so, Lord, help us uh, to think clearly about what mission is, what it looks like, and actually uh, be sharp in taking opportunities to share Jesus with others. And, Lord, it starts very simply as we've seen this morning. Help us to listen 
Help us to be, obey and trust and let you be the captain of our ships. And um, yeah, may we see you for who you truly are and give up everything as we follow you. Be with us, we pray, for our good and for your glory and especially, Lord, for the sake of the lost around us, some who are within a stone's throw within this building. Help us, we pray. Be gracious and merciful to us in Jesus' name. Amen.